want us to uh, just go before the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get straight into the Word of God. Father, we're very grateful for this day. We thank you for the opportunity to be able to serve your people once again. It never ceases to amaze me how your presence can transform us and challenge us and convict us, but never condemn us. Thank you, Lord, for each person that is present here. I believe that they're not here by accident or by coincidence. I believe that each and every person that is in this building is here by divine providence. You, oh God, set this up even before the very foundations of the earth. And so, Father, we trust that everything that happens tonight is ordained supernaturally by you. Your hand is upon us. And it's been obvious even in worship, God, we felt your presence and your presence has been tangible today. And so, Father, as you, oh God, pursue us, we pursue you back. We thank you, Lord. That although it looks like this world is turning upside down, although it looks like there is conflict and confrontation and chaos everywhere, we believe the word of God and not CNN. We believe the word of God and Knox Fox, not Fox News. We believe the word of God over Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. We believe that upon the rock, the rock that you have given us, which is the word of God and Jesus himself, you have built your church. And the very gates of hell shall not prevail against. Thank you for my brothers and sisters that are here on tonight. And I pray God that favor would go before us tonight. Goodness and mercy would follow us. Christ be in us which he is the hope of glory. We believe it to be done. It is so. And so it is. And all God's people said hallelujah. Hallelujah. And amen. Well praise the Lord. Thank you so much for allowing me to come. I really really appreciate you all being here. Uh, one of my best friends pastors this church is just a great, great man of God. And anytime he allows me to come in, I think that it is an honor. And I know that you all are brilliant people, so tolerate me for a Sunday till he gets back. Before we get into the word of God, I do want to honor the leadership that is here. And thank God for all of you who are uh, pillars of this ministry and uh, the shepherd's team and diaconate and all of those of you that make this thing work. And then uh, last but not least, uh, my bride is in the house today. Amen. Looking good, too. I hope I don't get distracted trying to stay in the word, but she's showing those shoulders today. And so that kind of messes me up. Amen. And so uh, Kermisha is with us today. And and I want to say this. um, I want to. Uh, say this, you know, that this is not just pulpit protocol when I thank God for my wife. You know, um, just a couple of months ago, uh, we, were in a, um, we were in an emergency room, and she was diagnosed with blood clots in her lungs, and the doctors were telling us all types of things that I didn't want to hear. Uh, and um, it, was, it was bad, uh, but look what the Lord has done. And so I'm grateful for that woman. I love her. Amen. I love her. And and the Lord has taught me uh, to appreciate people and appreciate gifts that he's placed in our lives because things could be so much different. And so uh, thank you all for praying. Many of you have prayed, and I thank God for you. I'm going to get straight into the word of God. Let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 35. While you're turning there, I want to be perfectly honest. I did not. Uh, please forgive me uh, for being tardy. I didn't think I was. It was in my calendar that I was supposed to be here at 530. I thought I was early. Amen. Amen. I was on CP time a little bit. That's colored people. And um, uh, but I thought I was doing pretty good. 
Yeah, 30 minutes is more than CP time. I don't even know what that is. That's just late. <laughs> Amen. So uh, let's get into the Word of God. Forgive me for being late. Um, let, let's go to Mark, the fourth chapter. We're going to go to Mark, the fourth chapter. What was the translation that you guys generally use here? I forgot what it was. ESV? All right, we're going to do NIV. All right? All right, we're going to do the NIV because uh, that's what it got pulled up. All right? So we're going to do NIV, Mark, the fourth chapter, verse 35. Mark, the fourth chapter, uh, verse 35. When you get it, say, I got it. All right, remember... Uh, I'd like you to talk back to me, okay? Mark the fourth chapter, verse thirty-five, and we're going to read to the remain. We're going to read the remainder uh, verses as they come. It reads like this: That day, when evening was come, he said to his disciples, "Let us go over to the other side." And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, and just as he was in the boat, just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. I'll need that in a minute. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. And Jesus was in the stern, the hinder portion of the bottom of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him up and said, teacher, don't you care that we are about to drown? Jesus responds and he got up and rebuked the wind. And said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the, wind, then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Don't you still, do you still have no faith? But they were terrified and asked each other, who is this? That even the winds and the waves obey him. I want to talk to you just for a few moments from the subject of staying stable in a storm. Staying stable in a storm. I don't know if you're aware of this, but this world is in a storm. All types of difficulties and disaster has hit this world in the last 10 years in ways that we never would have thought or imagined. All types of things have happened that have kind of blindsided the church, I believe, because we've been distracted with church stuff and not necessarily focused on the Word of God. But the, here, here's the interesting thing that the Lord taught me. The Lord taught me as I was struggling with Him, as I was going to Him saying, God, why is it that we're trying our best to build the kingdom? We're trying our best to bring reconciliation and the ministry of reconciliation into the body of Christ, especially here in Knoxville, Tennessee, why is it, O oh God, that we are trying to encourage the poor and be blessings to those that are on the fringes of this, of this world and those that are in the darkness? We're trying to draw them into the Lord marvelous light. Why is it that it seems like when we take two steps forward, we are knocked back three steps? And the Lord said to me, what made you think that just because you were saved and called to be a vessel and a vehicle for me, that you weren't going to expect storms. I think we have to be careful about 
watching some of this television Christianity stuff. We have to be careful about some of the TV evangelists that we've been watching and be very careful about some of the things that we've seen, this commercial Christianity that teaches us that if we're saved and if we have enough faith and if we give enough money and if we shout and if we speak in tongues long enough, then we will not have storms. That is not true. That is inaccurate. I believe it is er erroneous, and I believe that that's a heretical doctrine because no matter how much money you give, no matter how much you worship, no matter how much you shout, no matter how much you run, and no matter how good you are to other people, it does not mean that storms will not hit your life. The Bible teaches us that the rain falleth upon the just as well as the unjust. People that are born again catch cancer and people that are not born again catch cancer. People uh, that are born again lose their jobs. People that are not born again lose their jobs. And so it is true that although we are born again believers and that we love God and that we are walking in the word of God, that storms will come our way. It's not an issue. It's not even an issue of whether storms will come. It's when they will come. There are only three different types of people, people who have just come out of a storm, people that are in storms right now, or people that are on their way into a storm. And so here's the reality. The reality is this. All of us have storms, but here's the blessing. God has put the paracletus, the Holy Spirit, inside of us. And because he has put himself, his power, the life of God inside of us, although we go through storms, God has made us storm-proof. And here's where we got to shout. I don't know if y'all shout over here, but we shout at my church. Here's where we got to shout. We've got to shout because our Bible teaches us that no weapon that is formed against us is going to be able to prosper. And every tongue that rises up against us in judgment is already condemned. I'm feeling good today. The Bible teaches us that when the enemy comes in like a flood, God will raise up a standard against him. And so when the enemy slaps us down, he gets frustrated because just as he slaps us down and he begins to throw his party and celebrate and light the fireworks, we pop right back up and we win again. When I was a little boy, they don't have, we didn't have games like we have now. Now you got Xbox and now, and now you've got, uh, you know, you got PlayStation. You got all these great games that keep you inside the house. But when I was, when I was a little boy, we played can, kick the can, pitch pennies and, and uh, freeze tag and hide and go seek. That's 35 and over, baby. For y'all young ones, y'all don't know nothing about that. Yeah, we played games that didn't have batteries or remote controls. <laughs> we didn't know what a Bluetooth was, you know what I'm saying? And so we played these games that, that were cheap, but we had a great time. And there was a, there was a, a game called Weeble Wobble. We were poor. I couldn't afford, my mama couldn't afford Weeble Wobble. It was like $2.95. She couldn't afford it back in the day. But one day, she, one Christmas, she, she ended up saving her money and she got me this Weeble Wobble. Now, Weeble Wobble was a clown that they had set up. It was a man. He was about this big. He was a, a blown-up clown, and you could hit him as hard as you could. And when you hit him, he would go down. Uh, but just as you were about to walk away, he would pop right back up. Y'all remember Weeble Wobble? They Weeble, they Wobble, but they don't. Oh, y'all know that too. I thought you, we just had it in my house. They, 
And, and one day, one day I was a curious guy just like my, my little son, man, and my mama had purchased that Weeble Wobble, and one day mama left, and it just, I hit him hard as I could, and he came back up. I hit him hard as I could. He came back. I kicked him, and he came back up, and I, I just got frustrated, so I wanted to know what in the world is bringing him back up, so I got me a knife, and I killed Weeble Wobble, and he didn't get back up. Cut him, and I found out there at the bottom of Weeble was a weight. There was a weight inside of him, so when we knocked him down, the weight would bring him back up. When I got older, I understood it not from the perspective of a toy, but I understood it from the perspective of what God had placed inside of us. I don't know if you know it, but when you got born again, a weight, the Holy Spirit came inside of you. So when the enemy hits you with this best shot, when the enemy attacks your finances or your family or your family's health god is so good that just as the enemy is about to walk off in victory you pop right back up because of the weight of god's goodness that is inside of you touch your neighbor and tell him i think i believe the man yeah tell him that so so all of us go through some difficulties all of us go through some circumstances don't you ever decide to point out a person's spiritual condition based upon what they're going through because sometimes bad things don't happen to you based upon what you've done wrong sometimes bad things happen to you based upon what you've done right Jesus teaches us that just because you are in a difficult situation, it does not mean that you are out of the will of God. Don't allow people to say because you are struggling financially or you're struggling in your marriage or your children are not going in the direction in which you raised them, then you must be out of the will of God. That is not necessarily true. As a matter of fact, even what our, our city and our country and this world is going through right now, it looks like the church is outside of the will of God, but that does not necessarily mean that we're outside of the will of God. One of the things I know is that there's one person that was always in the will of God, and his name was Jesus Christ. He said something powerful in the scriptures. He says, I only do what I see the Father do. He's always in the will of God. There was a time when he struggled a little bit. He was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Bible says that he got into that garden. All of his boys left him. They fell asleep on him. And as he's praying, he prays this. His humanity and his divinity are for, for at, at some point becoming conflict and confrontation, and there's a wrestle there. And he says this, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass me by. And then he prayed it again, if it be possible, let this cup pass me by. But then the third time he prayed and he says, not my will, but thy will be done. He was always surrendered and submitted and subjected to the will of the father. But then just a few days later, we find him not on a throne, not in the heavenly realm, but we find him on a hill called Calvary. He is stretched out. He has thorns on his head. He has spikes in his feet. He has nails in his hands. They beat him all night long, and he's hanging, listen to this, between two common criminals. It looks like he's out of the will of God. But if you know anything about this book, if Jesus was ever in the will of God, that was the time that he was smack dab in the middle of the will of God. 
And some of you are at that place right now. It feels like, man, you're hanging on a cross. It feels like you're being crucified. It feels like you've been stretched out like Jesus. It feels like you've been beaten up by this world. It feels like that the enemy has come against you. But I want you to understand that just like Jesus had to go through his suffering in order for him to reign, you're going to have to go through your suffering in order for you to reign also. Everybody goes through storms. That's what took place in this particular passage. Jesus says, let us go. Until the other side. They get him in the middle of the ship. Find themselves in the middle of the sea of Gennesaret. And the next thing you know in the middle of the night. There's a group of people in the middle of a storm. What do you do when you find yourself in the middle of the storm. And you didn't even decide that you wanted to go. You heard the voice of God. Sometimes the voice of God will get you in the middle of storms. And the Bible says they took Jesus as he was. I love this. This is one of my very favorite verses where the Bible says that they took Jesus where as he was. I love that. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. People say, why in the world is that one of your favorite verses? Because here this is what, what the text is saying is Jesus was so tired of doing ministry that he fell asleep. While he was on the boat, they had to pick him up and take him into the into the boat because he was tired. That's one of my very favorite verses in the Bible, because it lets me know that sometimes when I do ministry, I get tired and it's okay. It's okay to get tired of praying for people. It's okay to get to get tired of flying around the country. It's okay okay to get get tired of dealing with people's struggles and trying to love people that don't love themselves and won't even love you back. It, it, gets, it gets tiring sometimes doing the work of God. But even Jesus and his humanity, he was tired too. They put him on that boat, and the next thing you know, there's a storm. There's a storm that is unexpected, it is unsolicited, and it is unwanted. And as Jesus is asleep, the Bible says, here comes the storm. The Bible teaches us in a word picture that there are waves are beating up against the side of the boat, that water is getting inside of this boat. And these are fishermen, so they know how to maneuver and navigate through these types of waters. But here, this, this, this storm was just too big for their giftedness, for their talents. And, and all of us get to that place where you find yourselves in storms that your money can't get you out of and, and that your political power cannot get you out of and and that your expertise and your history cannot get you out of, and that your rich uncle cannot get you out of. Sometimes we find ourselves in storms that the only thing you can do is cry out to Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the other week, other month, when my wife was in that hospital, I had to start believing this stuff I preach. Because it was easy, it's so easy to lay hands on the sick and decree and declare you shall recover and lay hands on people and say, by your stripes, by the stripes of Jesus, you're healed. And There is a bomb in Gilead that heals the sick. So that stuff is real easy when it's somebody else's wife, when it's somebody else's friend, when it's somebody else's neighbor. But, but when it comes down to you, it's difficult. Because God allows us to go through situations sometimes to show us that we're going to have to live by the very same thing that we've been trying to prophesy and preach to other people. They find themselves in the storm. Now, this is the part that messes me up. Sometimes I get mad at the Bible, and that's one of the times I got mad at the Bible. The Bible says it's a storm. They're about to capsize. This, this boat is full of water, and Jesus sleep. 
I mean, can you imagine that? You sent me into the storm. We up here trying to get water out of the boat, and you down there asleep. Just sleep. Have you ever felt like you were praying, going through something bad, and Jesus was just asleep? You ever felt like you called Jesus, he put you on hold and never came back? You, 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 ever, you ever felt like God hit mute on you when you were going through the most difficult season of your life? Nobody wants to be honest, but let's just be honest. Sometimes I pray and don't hear anything back. Feel like God is asleep. And this man was downstairs asleep while the people that he said he loves are going through their storm. And I said to the Lord as I was studying this not long ago, I said, how can you sleep through your children's storms? He says, because I was trying to teach them something. Woo. And this is what God was trying to teach us in the passage and what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples. The last thing that they heard the Jesus say before he went to sleep is, let us go unto the other side. He spoke a word over their lives and then went to sleep. What he's trying to teach us is that no matter how many storms hit our lives and no matter how much adversity and no matter how much pressure the enemy places on, places on us, his word is always more powerful than the enemy's waves. His word is always going to prevail over the enemy's waves. So if God says you're going to make it to the other side, he didn't say that you weren't going to get your hair wet. He didn't say that you, you weren't going to be soggy when you get to the other side. He didn't say you weren't going to go through some difficulties. But even if I've got to get to the other side soaking wet, I'm going to get there because his word will not return unto him void. He will accomplish everything that he said he would do. Aren't you glad that the word works? in our lives aren't you glad that that when the enemy comes and he tries to push us back from our purpose as long as we hold on to the word of God we're still gonna make it through what we're going through he was down there asleep y'all and the Bible said not only was he sleep long he was sleep on a pillar the text said he was sleep on a pillow. He just balled up sleep while they're going through their situation, while they're going through the storm. He just balled up sleep. And God spoke to me and he says, exactly. If I sleep through a storm, I'm trying to teach you. You ought to be able to sleep through storms too. God is trying to get us to learn how to rest. Come unto me, all you who labor in a heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and, and, and learn of me, for my yoke is easy and my burdens of light. We've got to learn how to rest in a storm. The Bible says this in Isaiah. That the Bible says that, that we are like eagles. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. I did a study on eagles because the Bible keeps talking to us and referring to us as eagles. The Bible, Jesus said this. Jesus says, whethersoever the carcass is, that shall also the eagles be gathered together. All the way through scripture, he likens us to eagles. And so I did a, a study on eagles and I found out something about an eagle when it comes to storms. When, when Katrina hit, when Katrina hit in New Orleans and when Katrina hit in Mississippi, man, the, it, it just tore, it just tore those cities apart. But they, but they, they did a documentary on, on eagles they found that when Katrina when the storm was hitting when the storm was hitting everybody was trying to run from the storm except for eagles eagles were running into the eye of the storm 
And I said, why in the world was, were they doing that? Because eagles have a destiny that they're trying to get to, and they understand if they can get in the middle of the storm, if they can get in the wind, all they have to do is stretch their wings out, wings out, and they will allow the wind from the storm to push them to a place that they could not get on their own. God says, that's where I want you. I want you to start looking at storms in a different way. I want you to learn how to not necessarily run from every storm, but understand sometimes I'll allow the enemy to send storms, but I don't want you to run from them. I want you to stretch your wings out in the middle of them. And I'm going to allow you to take your, allow the storm to take you to the place where I wanted you to be in the first place. Storms got me into this situation. Storms got me closer to the Lord. I don't know about you, but I wasn't raised up in Sunday school all the time. I didn't do every VBS. I I I didn't do everything right. I was one of them kids, man, that my mama would tell me to do something and I would do the same thing else. And so and so being around scripture did not necessarily get me to where I am right now. I am pastoring a church. I am preaching you today, not because of memory verses. I'm here today because the storms push me into my purpose. And so I don't rebuke storms all the time. Sometimes I receive them because they are the very things that can get me into my destiny. I'm through, but the Bible says he is in the hinder part of the boat. The hinder. Everybody say the hinder. The hinder part of the boat. The Bible says he's in the hinder part of the boat. Some translation says that he is in the stern or the back portion. Uh, But as I begin to study, I I believe that that the hinder is, is the bottom portion. The bottom so it's a, in, in, if you look in, in, in culture, if you do a cultural context story of this particular passage, you'll find that these boats sometimes were made two level, split level boats. And so I believe that, the, that Jesus is in the bottom boat. What, what gets me here, y'all, is this. The, the boat is filled with water, but Jesus is downstairs asleep. <laughs> he's, he's downstairs asleep. The boat is filled with water. So, so the, the water has to be on, on Jesus. He's got to be in the storm too. What, one of the things that is powerful about this text is what Jesus is trying to teach him as he sleeps through the storm is this. If I haven't gone down, you can't go down either. You don't worry about going down until I go down. So when I travel, when, when I go uh, wherever I'm going, uh, and, and we get that turbulence, man. Y'all ever had that term- turbulence just make you pray loud, out loud, like, boom. I'm like, whoa, hey. And so uh, when I get that turbulence, you know, I used to stress out. But, but now I don't look at the person beside me or I, I don't look at the person behind me to figure out if I'm going to make it or not. I, 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 I look at the airline steward. Because she's been in storms a lot. She, she understands. She understands these storms. And if she doesn't stress out, I'm not going to stress out because she's been in this position before. Jesus says, if I'm not stressed out, you don't have to stress out because I've been in this position before. The storms are there. The wind is there. The waves are there. They're stunning thundering and lightning the billows are roaring and Jesus is asleep my question is why does Jesus not wake up in the storm you know what woke him up this 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 messes me up the bible says he was asleep the whole time until his disciples came down and woke him up the storm didn't wake him up it was the voice of his children that woke him up and stopped the storm. My brothers, my sisters, as I 
put this microphone down and we go into prayer. I want you to understand that storms don't wake Jesus up. You go through things, you go through difficult things. The storms don't necessarily wake him up. It's the voice of his children crying in the middle of the storm that opens his ear, that opens his heart, that opens his soul up to you. Whatever you're going through today, I heard the list of people that had had loved ones to go be with the Lord. I've heard the list of people that have been diagnosed with deadly disease and cancer. I've heard the list of people that have had failures in their marriage and their ministry and even in this country. I got some good news for you. If the devil may take your car, he may take your house, he may take your reputation, but don't allow him to take your prayer life. Because as long as you keep your mouth open, as long as you go downstairs and wake him up, as long as you worship him, even when it seems like it's not worth it, as long as you chase him, even when you cannot trace him, there will be a time where he will wake up, speak to your storm, and say, peace, be still. My brothers and sisters, the greatest part of this story is this. The beginning of the verse says that Jesus said, let us go to the other side. When they got on the boat, the Bible says that there were little ships with him. Little ships. These little ships were in the storm too, but they didn't have Jesus on board. It was small ships that didn't have Jesus on board. And these little ships were watching to see how people in the big ship with Jesus would handle their storm. I don't know if you know this, but there's some little ships. There's some people that aren't born again. They don't know Jesus. They're not connected to him, but they're watching you to see how you handle your storm. If you handle your storm with your hands lifted and with your head raised and with your worship, On your lips, if you handle your storm, continuing to be faithful and committed to the call of God, perhaps those ones on the little ship will want to get on the big ship where Jesus is. We've got to learn how to be stable.